When I was 14, I took my father's camera to make a home movie with my friends. I wanted to capture those cherished moments of my simple-minded years and share them with my kids and grandkids. I didn't know what I was doing. I just pointed the camera and pressed the record button. Whatever happened, happened. There was no cell phones or social media. Back then, we was outside. But this was Brooklyn in the 90s, and being outside wasn't always the safest place to be. This was the year that I realized that Brooklyn wasn't just a borough. It was a whole adventure. Man, let me get that, get that camera out of people's face, man. Put my camera down. It's no plaything. That's the trailer of the new independent film short, Juvie D and Ant. This week, we spotlight a man of many talents and passions, Wendell Moore. Born and raised in the heart of Brooklyn, New York, and now a proud resident of New Jersey, Wendell isn't just any independent filmmaker. He's a beacon of light in his community, a workforce professional, and a fervent advocate for youth development services in communities of color. As we close out celebrating Black History Month, Coach Tony Thompson and I welcome filmmaker Wendell Moore to the Interludes Extra Talk on Tuesdays platform to discuss his recent film festival admissions, the actor and narrator Terrence Copeland, and Moore's longtime friend and producer John Calvert. Let's get started learning the film journey of Wendell Moore with Juvie D and Ant. I'm Val The Voice Johnson, and this is the Interludes Podcast. The Interludes Podcast. A Peer Lighthouse production. This episode is brought to you by A DJ Saved My Life, the latest upcoming book by Val The Voice Johnson. To experience a preview of the book, please visit our website today. And now, all the way from the south side of Chicago, give it up for your host, Val The Voice Johnson. My gosh, so speaking of filmmaking, how important that is, Coach. We have a filmmaker and, and, and former actor here among us, and I'm very yes, grateful yes, that he do. got a chance to go ahead. Um, his daughter was one of our sponsors, I want to say about a year ago, and um, I knew eventually I wanted to have him on to talk about what he's got going on. I started to look on Facebook and see that he was promoting his short film, and I said, well, I said, oh, you're promoting it and you're putting it in film festivals? He said, yeah. I said, would you like to come on and talk about it at the beginning of the year? He said, sure. And yeah. so this was someone that I've I, I've met through a, a mutual friend of mine. We have done some professional things together. He has hired me to do uh, professional uh, filming and photography for him when I was living in New York. Uh, great person and friend. I definitely want to make sure that I give a shout out to our guest, one of our guests, it is our filmmaker. It is Wendell Moore. Welcome. Brother Wendell Moore. Let's give it up. Hey, hey Brother Moore, you sitting here with Val, the voice 
Coach Tony on Interludes Talk on Tuesday. Uh, they come here. We in 2024 where we're going to give you more. Just like Brother Wendell Moore. Yeah, I like how that go, baby. <laughs> That's great. I like how that go. Happy uh, New Year, yeah. my brother. How you my doing? My last name's working again. There so you go, baby. I'm good. Thank you so much. I'm honored to be here with y'all and appreciative of this opportunity to, to, to talk to y'all and to talk about Juvie, D, and Ant, the little film that um, that could. And um, <laughs> this is such a remarkable project, and I just thank God for the opportunity to, to talk about it. So how y'all doing? We're doing okay. great. Yeah, we're we're doing great. I want to make sure that I get a chance to show the trailer, but before I do, uh, <laughs> I like Roxanne said more more encouragement. <laughs> hey, 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 Roxanne, we, we, we all need more than that. What's good, Roxanne? Right, Roxanne, Roxanne. Right. But you know, right. on that brother more as she do that. What what I liked about it, you know, um, and as Val pulls the trailer together, what I thought was really cool was the realism. Uh, and I want to talk a little bit about that, of what was in the mindset of filming. Because as you say, you're sitting in Brooklyn, in the hood, and no, nobody wants you to be signed no, no camera in their face, right? That's just how it go. And that's, you with a camera in their that's face right. and trying to do that back in the day, that's like, yeah. that's like soft snitching, right? So as you were doing this, and you were trying oh, yeah. to, that's right. to get Juvie D and Ant, what was were kind of like the 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 makeup on your mind, the characters that you were trying to portray with this? Well, I wanted, you know, I, I I'm one of these filmmakers that believes that we have to own our own voice and we have to own our own narrative. And what better way to do that than to put the camera in the hands of the subject? And you know, you and I could go on TV right now, and if I say find a story about young, you know, brown and black um, boys out here in the street, what are the stories going to be? And most of them are going to be drugs, violence, um, you Hip-hop. know, all kind of crazy stuff that's out here. The top shows that are featuring brown and black um, young young people have these things in it. And my thought is, what if we saw what they saw? from their point of view. And so the point was to put the camera in a young person's hands, 14, 15 years old, and just let them go out into the community and shoot things. Now, yeah, you're right. You could get beat down badly pointing that camera in the wrong face, but (laughs) you can also discover something beautiful. You know, if you're seeing what they're seeing and you see what's important to them and it has nothing to do with all those other narratives that are out there about these young people you'll get to right. see the real things that they're interested in and and a lot of that you know we can identify with because when i was 14 or 15 those were the things that were important to me you know i saw everything from um you know there were things i was interested in i wasn't interested in you know you know trying to 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 do a lot of this like fake gangster stuff and all that other stuff there was other things that was important even if it was just trying to figure out how to raise money to get you know, um, a new pair like Converse's or something, you know, whatever it is, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't that. And so I was hoping that the spirit of that would be in this film. So yes, we wanted it to be from the point of view of a young person. Someone said something a long time ago. They said, 
if you are working with toddlers and you're trying to devise safety um, units around them, you can't look down at them from an adult point of view. You got to get on the ground and see what they see from their point of view. And That's that was point. really kind of the genesis of saying, put the, put the camera in these young people's hands and let them do it. And oh, um yeah. So that's what we got. And yes, there's some risk. There's definitely some risk. You point at the wrong oh, person, yeah. you ain't gonna be pointing that camera no more. But all right, exactly. You know, exactly. But, you know how that goes. Also that night. That's right. You know, so it's naivety, it's innocence, and it's adventure. All of that stuff wrapped up in one. We have guests in the building with us, the virtual building with us, our narrator, Terrence Copeland. And then, of course, one of the producers oh. of it, John Calvert. Welcome, welcome to Talk on Tuesdays. Welcome, guys. How are you all doing Terry. today? I'm John. doing all right. I'm doing all right. Thanks for having me. Uh, how's everybody? Hey, hey, thank you guys for showing up, man. I mean, again, I was telling Wendell, man, we, we, we push this show to the limits and bring out, you know, some of the things that a lot of people haven't heard about and try to present those. You know, uh, so man, we 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 appreciate you guys popping up here on this 2024. As we about to go. <laughs> he's trying to make sure that he he's trying to make sure that he that he rhymes everything with with 2024. I, I get it, I get it, I get it. Uh, now, here's the thing: there was a a small film shot in Brooklyn called "Just Another Girl" on the IRT. And I hopefully uh, this was uh, Wendell. He played Mr. Moore yeah. in the film. <laughs> and and I have my my question to you, sir, and, and working with this film. And this was back in the 90s when this happened. You've had a rich journey from acting in this film. And now you're going to be directing. You've been du you're directing Ju Juvie D and Ant. What inspired this transition from acting to filmmaking mm -hmm. and how have you? How have your experiences as an actor influenced your approach as a director? Well, first of all, shout out to Leslie Harris. Um, she was mm -hmm. like one of the first to do it. She's truly a queen in the, in the annals of independent filmmaking, particularly back then. If you remember, all the films back then were about boys in the hood, menace to society, but there was no real films about what was going on with young women. And so she went out you know and did what she had to do to raise money and she put this film together we have mutual friends in the industry and she um i got uh tapped on to to be involved i was the principal in the film mm -hmm. um and um school principal and she um and she just allowed me to do my thing and it was just a great experience miramax picked it up it went on and made good money um, and it really was prominent in, um, you know, touching the hearts and minds of young ladies back in the day. I mean, I speak to um, people now, adult women who saw this film and they said this was their favorite film, you mm -hmm. know, coming up as a teenager, you know, that this yeah. spoke to them because, you know, it was about real issues. Right. So for me, she inspired me because I wanted to get involved in making films and after this experience, I said, you know what, I'm going to do this. So John and I hooked up. John and I go way back. You know, he's a brilliant writer and collaborator that I've worked with for over 30 years. And um, he, um, you know, we came up with the story concept for 
for Juvie D. And initially it was supposed to be kind of a mockumentary of some young man, you know, because, you know, I was sick and tired of looking at all these Boys in the Hood films. They was all in California. I said, nah, Brooklyn is hard. You know, let's make our own film. We got Boys in the Hood right here on Fulton Street in Ostrand. So, you know, we're going to do this here in Brooklyn. And so, you know, we came up with... um, we came up with this script and it was a it was kind of like following this young man who was like 14 he was homeless he was really kind of out in the street doing whatever it took to to make it you know whether i was robbing people or whatever and we thought it was a great script and at that time my wife was working at um hbo so she found someone in hbo that would read the script and who was a top executive kind of person just to give us some tips. And I was excited. I gave the script cool. to her on a Friday and on Monday. And she said, this was the worst script she ever It was horrible. It was stereotypical. It was the kind of thing that HBO would not touch with a whole, you know. So my heart was broke. I felt terrible. But what it did, it made me say, well, let me reinvent the structure of what we're doing. Instead of doing something that's kind of, you know, in this documentary kind of structured style, let's just go freestyle and let's give the camera to a young man and let him, uh, to our character, the lead character, and let him tell the story. So that's how it went. So we um, were in the Clinton Hill, Fort Greene area back in those days. And that was like one of the hottest places to be in culturally. Mm-hmm. We had Spike Lee opened up a shop over there. Wesley Snipes lived in that area. Um, you know, uh, Robin Harris, God rest his soul, lived down the block. You know, all of wow. these people converged in this one little small space. And that energy was so important to me because at that time I had a, a video store um, that I was working in. And um, and I you just felt that it was it was palpable you know you could feel that energy all around you creative energy everywhere you went and i wanted to be a part of that so we shot this thing most of the casting was done at the video store counter (laughs) (laughs) customers that would come in and you know i said you know you'd be great in this film do you have you acted no none of them acted nobody acted you know but you know we just saw that these would be the faces and the personal the personalities we'd like in the film. I was I was blessed to get one great actor, the, the actor that plays the father. Yeah, he did a great Edwin, job. And I have yeah. to tell you, we were blessed yeah. to have him. You know, he was um, he was a pioneer back in the 80s and 90s. He got a lot of um, leading roles and commercials on television and stuff. He he's been in movies with um jack nicholson he's been in movies with harrison ford um presumed innocent and all these other like top films and so he read the script you know i put a small script together he loved it he said he'll do it and um he just blessed us so um you know we were fortunate to have at least an anchor on that level in the project but everybody else were first-time actors no real skill but a lot of passion um, they took direction well, and um, we just, you know, just went out there and did it. You know, no it permits, no bad. nothing. Just shoot right. and get the hell it out of Dodge. <laughs> you know? right. After we shot it, I was excited, and we had a couple people that were going to edit it for us, but that fell through. So I put all the 
I put all the tapes in a bag and I said, when we're ready, we'll do it. And that wait was like over 20 years. I put the bag of tapes wow. in the garage. I moved out of Brooklyn. I moved to Jersey. Um, and I forgot about the film and I forgot about the project. I did have one person that was in the film, a good friend of mine, who kept nagging me. When you going to finish this film, bro? It's been years. And I said, well, we have it. And when it comes time doing it, I'll do it. And I thought I lost these tapes because of all the moves that we made. I found it three years ago. I saw the tapes there. I went through all of them. I transferred them, got them all digitalized. And I taught myself how to edit. And fortunately, you know, I found Terrence and I said, I need a narrator to string it and pull it together. And I wrote the script. I gave it to Terrence. He blessed us with his wonderful narration, his spirit, um, and capturing the essence of the story. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Newsflash! Val The Voice Johnson is currently one of the lead moderators on the platform The House of Creativity on Clubhouse. She can be heard leading the THOC news team with Latino wellness and entertainment news that you can use to peruse your daily life. Join us every Monday through Friday from 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. Eastern in the House of Creativity. Become a member of the House of Creativity on Clubhouse today. And now, back to our show. So and that's Chief talking to everybody on, that, on, on everything. Right, okay. right. And I, and I like that, yes, you know. Yeah, and that, yeah. that's, funny. that's funny you say that because, Val, I get what Wendell was saying, Val. Over the holidays, I was searching and doing some searching, cleaning up. And boy, I found some cassette tapes. My my son, yeah. I some good. Yeah, and there's a, and there's, a there's a there's a question on the on the floor that said, "What kind of tapes were there?" But before you answer that, Wendell, I'd love to hear from John and Terrence. John, right? How did you how did you and 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 Wendell come together doing this film? Were yeah. you around during the beginning of when he started yeah, yeah. the project? I um. Yeah, I actually uh, got to know Wendell from being a, a member of his video store, and we talked, and and we were part of a community of people there. That really, some people hang out in, the, in a bar. We hung out in the video store and just talked all the time, and uh, wasted a lot of time there. But we got we connected, and uh, and one day he said, "Hey, why don't you come out and sit beside me behind the bar?" And we really sat and talked, and and that's how I ended up getting engaged in the project. The answer to the question, they were high eight tapes, and uh, thank goodness uh, they survived over the time. Um, yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, back in the day, it was uh, really a very exciting time in the in this community. And I'm still living here. And I, I think uh, Nelson George made a movie called Brooklyn Bohème, which was all about mm -hmm. all of the activity in this part of Fort Fort, uh, Fort Green back in the uh, early 90s. Um, I would just say that ultimately we actually shot in 13 different locations and had cast of over 60 people. And then we had this tape this this project that was still in search of an ending and for 30 years i've lied and carried this on my resume as a film that i completed but i <laughs> nobody ever asked me for it but i'm just uh, hey, grateful the fact that nobody going to yeah <laughs> i'm grateful the fact that wendell uh, found these and just wrote such a brilliant narration that really pulled everything together and brought it to some peace after all these years of this unfinished project. And that transitions to uh, some good questions for Terrence. Uh, Tony, what, what what would you like to ask Terrence? No, no, I was going to say, I was down the same line you were saying, hey, T, first of all, you can't take my voice, man, because, you know, I got the distinguished voice where people know me from. But listening to that trailer, man, it was so cool. 
you know, it was kind of like I could feel you sitting in that block. I could feel you sitting on that basketball court. I could feel that guy saying, put that, put that camera down, you know, all that. When you got a chance to get involved, what were your past experiences? And had, you know, you had already done a little bit of this before. When do these guys kind of, you know, brought you on board? Um, so I haven't necessarily done um, narration and voiceover uh, acting, I would say, but I am a, a songwriter and performer. So in terms okay. of using my voice, I've done that for a while. And with this project, um, one, I'm, I'm not seasoned enough to know what high eight tapes are. So I had to kind of imagine. They back in the day, they back in the day, back in that real to real. Exactly. So I had to imagine myself in that time and try to feel, like you said, feel me in that area, in that time, in that yep. time period. So I'm just pulling off my experiences with elder people in my life and their stories and try to connect that bridge. So I just tried to do that the best that I could. And I'm, I'm happy with how it came about. I'm excited for people to start seeing it and seeing how over these many years it's come full circle, as John said. I think that's good, Val. I know, and 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 here's the thing, because your voice matches. I kind of feel like the age matches the age right. of the yeah. of the characters, but then a, a a maturity that says, you know, this was. You have to remember, this is when we were outside, and I'm thinking Correct. with that knowledge of what we had gone through with the pandemic, and so um, I'm grateful. Now, here's the thing: how how many tapes that did Wendell make you watch in order to you know get a feeling and vibe of doing the narration <laughs> so you want to know what's interesting and I don't know if he was going to talk on this but I actually did the narration for these pieces without seeing any footage what so it was only a film that is, that is like that's like feel your way through a dark room so the first time I actually saw any footage was the end of last year when uh, it was featured in the film festival. So that was my first time seeing any of the footage. So we were working on it um, well over about two years, I think, going back and forth, you know, picking it up, putting it down at times. But like I said, I, sh I just tried my best to put myself in that position, in that role as that individual, as if this was my life. And knowing what I've known uh, about New York and yep. hip hop, hip hop was honestly the, the common thread, I think. Um, Cause sure. I'm, I'm a hip hop artist and I'm a hip hop head, I'm a student. Uh, first, so I use that to try to bring that character to life, especially. Yeah, I think you did a great job, great yeah. job. Mm -hmm. And if you had to, if you say, you know, because you're talking to Coach Tony and the DJ, so I got to ask you that if that's the case on the hip hop side of the house, when you're looking at a movie and something that Wendell and George produce, and they're looking at that, what kind of old school? Hip hop artists, because when you, because I also got a vibe from New York family up, you know, uh, on the Harlem side of the house in Washington Heights area. But when you're thinking about New York, you know, and I'm looking at this, I think Wendell put it real good. When when I think about back in the day, if I'm gonna picture something, the first thing I'm picturing is is do the right thing. Second thing I'm thinking about is you know the the rap battles in the park with Slick Rick, you know, and Dana Dane, you know, and, and those guys, you know. Dougie Fresh. So when you were looking at that and you're trying to put this in your in the characters in your head and you're going back to, you know, I got to feel this like Val, I got to feel the night. This is when we were outside. What kind of hip hop artists were you kind of thinking about back in the day that kind of moved you to that? Um, first and foremost, I definitely say Nas. Because when you think of the oh, character. Oh, my man. I like you already. 
Nas is <laughs> an artist. As a hip hop artist, Nas is one of my favorite artists. Uh, I would He's say a true lyricist that's inspired me. But when you think about his lyricism, it's uh, it's cinematic. Yes, it story and it, and, it, and it establishes the setting. So with that, yeah. with Nas being such an elder statement for me as a student in hip hop, I utilize that approach with the story to think about, especially at that time in the '90s when you're outside in New York City, it's right. just exposure. So you're learning outside while you're learning. <laughs> so you have to figure out on the fly. So that's where a lot of the emotion comes from, from the character in terms of, yeah, I learn sometimes when you're outside, certain areas aren't the safest space to be, but you have to learn that in real time. So it's really experiencing, experience being your teacher and you're learning yourself while you're learning your environment. So Nas, I say, I channeled a lot of Nas. Um, that's the, the the number one artist, but I'm thinking about I'm thinking about Big, I'm thinking about Ho, I'm thinking about Most Deaf, I'm thinking about artists like this in terms of how you have different characters and different identities and temperaments that you run into outside as well. So. Sure, sure, sure. Go ahead, Val. And, and here's the and here's the thing. I think the narration, as as it's been stated before, kind of brings everything together. Can I just add something to that? Of course. Um, Terrence hits on a great point. The spirit of the film is based on the spirit of the music and the times of the 90s. And that was important that that came across because that was a different frequency of music, you know, back yeah, then. Well, it was it was an exciting, challenging time where you felt the birth of a new musical movement was happening. And um, it, it, it we wanted to, you know to create that like i have old school r&b early hip-hop ears i don't have ears that really hear the kind of music that's out now but i know that it affected us differently back in those days right the music you know was freeing a lot more freeing a lot more freedom was you know in the spirits of these young people i felt this is me you know i might be dead wrong but i think um i think it it was important that the music kind of reflected that, you know, the way people move, the way young people move back then, it was a little different. And I thought Terrence captured that in his voice and hopefully we captured that in the way, you know, we, um, we portrayed the young people and even the music that was added on. We had a good score of music from producer Steady Making, who is a, a young man who's doing some incredible things. And he, he captured the, the spirit of that era he as well. Did. He did, oh, and, yeah. I, and I and I liked how things kind of wrapped toward the film because I ended, ended up seeing the uh, I guess the additional edit that's going to be traveling around with you. And uh, the other question I have: you are you're a consultant. You work more training services, and you've worked with various organizations throughout your career. It's ever since uh, Just Another Girl. How do you balance your professional commitments with your passion for filmmaking and has your consulting work influenced your storytelling? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so balancing it is easy. A lot of the work that I do um, is, you know, I have two loves in my life. I have three loves, um, um, writing, directing, working with young people and training. And oh. they all converge and they yep. all, you know, really, feed me as a um as a professional and as a creator so mm -hmm. it's no problem you know i find time i make time 
you know, a lot of the editing and preparation of this happened during the pandemic, you know, mm -hmm. so it was almost like, you know, I was given a space to do this, you know, when nothing else was going on. Um, a lot of the consulting work I did, all of it I did was, you know, was, um, was virtual. So, right. you know, it was easy to make time at home to put time into learning how to edit and editing the film and, and transferring all the tapes and finding music and all the other stuff. So the question I got asked T mm -hmm. and, and you write, Hey, Illmatic by far. <laughs> ever produced. I know. And John, 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 no. Yeah. Are you, a, are you a hip, do you like hip hop, uh, John, or do you have any uh, favorite artists? I, uh, I, I, I was, uh, you know, listened to uh, Rapper's Delight when it first came out and it was a shock in the world. And so I've been following it over the years, but, but, you know, I'm back there with the, with the birthday party gang and the cool and all the early cool in the gang right, stuff. Right. And, uh, yeah. and, uh, and yeah, so, but I, I love music of all kinds, but, but definitely uh, the arc of, uh, of hip hop has really been the defining thing of our time. And, uh, and, and, and you can see just the conversation, the way this, uh, it's captured the the whole, uh, you know, history of this country in the last 50 years. Wendell is like an extraordinary worker with young people. And it started off even when he was in his store, he worked with young people in, in the community, started a basketball team and has connected with them through his whole life. So he's a very artistic person, as you can see, but he also I'm has right. a tremendous um, empathy toward and, and, and dedication towards improving the lives of, of young kids of all stripes, then he's really done a fantastic job of that in his life. I have to say during that time, it was a great creative, you know, period for me um, to yeah. complete yeah. the film or at least get it into a 80 to 90% place where we can say, you know, hey, this this could this could do something. And it's, it's been doing something. We've rented it into about 18 festivals. Um, we've submitted to the um, American Black Film um, Festival, which is mm -hmm. going to be hosted by Issa Rae this year for HBO. Yeah. Yeah. And we're hoping mm -hmm. that, you know, they give us some love as a short entry. And there's been so many others. And our history has been pretty good. I mean, we've played so far, we've placed two semifinals and three finalists. Yeah, oh, that, uh, this is against that's international yeah. films yep. from Japan, Australia, you know, everywhere, New Zealand, South America. We're, we're at a 75% um, selection rate in our festival entries, and I, I'm really, really proud about that. So, yeah. yeah, so we're looking forward to what the future holds. To see the entire interview with Wendell Moore, John Calvert, and Terrence Copeland, please visit our Interludes YouTube channel. The Interludes Podcast. Original concept by Valerie Johnson. Interludes Extra Talk on Tuesday sports segments produced by Tony Thompson. Original intro and outro music produced by Kendall Nesbitt. The Interludes Podcast, a pure lighthouse production. This episode is brought to you by A DJ Saved My Life, the latest upcoming ebook by Val the Voice Johnson. To experience a preview of the book, Visit our website today. Ebook copies release March 5th. 
To subscribe to our YouTube channel or join Interlude's Facebook group, visit the website linktree slash peerlightmedia. That's L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash peerlightmedia. Media.